right, well, we're going to begin a brand new series next several weeks. We're going to be talking about the importance of living balanced lives, but we're going to be talking about that uh, particularly in the area of our finances. Now, let me just say this, because I, I know that whenever uh, somebody like me, a preacher, gets up and says, I want to talk to you about money, it makes some people nervous. Uh, because, because what you hear is not, I want to talk to you about money. What you hear is, I want to talk to you about how I can get more of yours, right? And so don't be nervous because I want to tell you right up front that that's not what this is all about, that this isn't, uh, this isn't building up to you know, some sort of big ask where we, we ask you to give money for a specific thing or something like that. That's not what this is about. What this is really about is that as, as your pastor, part of my job, part of what my call is, uh, really what all of my call is, is just to talk to you about the things that Jesus talked about. That that's really all I'm supposed to do is just to, 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 to talk to you about the things that Jesus talked about. And the reality is, is that Jesus talked a lot about money. Uh, if you read through the Gospels, you'll find that one out of every ten verses has something to do with how we live in relationship to our finances. Uh, in fact, Jesus talked more on the, or spoke more on the, on the subject of money than he did on grace or faith or uh, heaven or hell, believe it or not. Any of those things, Jesus talked more on the subject of money than he did any of those things. So, if Jesus talked about those things, then we ought to talk about it, right? And so I say that unashamedly, that that's what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. Again, next week, uh, we'll take a break from, from this. You know, I'll hit you really hard this morning, and then we'll take a break. I'll give you a break. Uh, but you won't want to miss, miss next week because Jonathan's going to be with us, and it's going to be a great, great, great morning. Uh, what I want to do this morning, before we jump in and talk specifically about finances, is I want to talk to you. We're talking about balance. I want to talk to you about physical balance. In fact, I want to give you three laws of physical balance, uh, three principles of physical balance, because I believe if you understand these three laws, if you can master these three laws of physical balance, then they will help you live successfully when it comes to maintaining, maybe establishing and then maintaining, but uh, maintaining um, financial balance, all right? So the first law that I want to give to you uh, uh, on, as it pertains to physical balance is what is called the law of the reference point. Reference point. It's a principle of a reference point. In other words, uh, in, in order to physically balance something, you have to have a proper reference point. So, for instance, some of you wondered what I was doing with this stick this morning. I felt like Buford Pusser when I came in. You know, I'm going to talk to you about money today, uh, but this is not walking tall. It's not my big stick, but, but it, uh, it, it, it's for an illustration. So, um, if I were wanting to, to balance this uh, wooden rod here on my fingers... It would be important for me to find a place of reference. If I can find a reference point and just focus on that point of reference, it's really pretty easy to balance this, this rod. However, if I lose focus, if I turn away from the reference point immediately, that's what happens. As long as I focus, don't hit your head with that, don't do that. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you lose focus. You just get hit with it, smacked upside the head. Um, there's a principle in that too, probably. But anyway, when, when you lose focus, it's easy to lose balance. I don't know if any of you have ever observed or maybe participated in, you know, the, the competitive cheerleading. If you've ever watched that, you know, where they, they do all those crazy flips and jumps and all that kind of stuff, and they stack people on top of each other, and usually, you know, they've got somebody at the top. They've usually got this little gal that's being balanced on one foot by one hand. And, and what a coach will tell that person on the top is, is when you get up there, find a reference point and focus on that point and it will help you maintain your balance. So that's the law of the reference point. The second law of balance is, is constant correction. And so again, if I wanted to balance this, this wooden rod here, notice as I'm balancing it, I've got my point of reference, but notice what my hand is doing constantly making correction in order to keep this rod in balance. And so, you know, it's the same principle if you've ever crossed a creek um, on either a fallen log or a wooden plank or something like that, you know, as you cross it, 
You get your arms out like this, and you're constantly making corrections in order to maintain balance. So, so those are the first two principles. The first one is the reference point. The second one is constant correction. The last one is, is we've got to have a clear objective. In, 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 in balancing this rod, I know my clear objective, objective is I want to keep this rod vertical. I want to keep it upright. And so I've got to have a clear object, objective in order to maintain balance. You have to know, what is it that I'm trying to do? Okay, so those are the laws of physical balance. Now, the reason that I wanted to give those to you, the reason that those are important to us this morning is because what is true in balancing ourselves physically is just as true when it comes to maintaining balance financially. Now, now all that being said... Like, like most illustrations, there always comes a point where your illustration breaks down a little bit, and that's the case with this illustration. And here's how this illustration breaks down. If I were to violate any of the laws of balance while I'm trying to, trying to balance this, this rod, if I were to violate any of them, what happens? Immediately, the rod falls. There's an immediate consequence for violating any of the laws of physical balance. Now, here's the deal with financial balance. If you violate the, the laws of financial balance, most of the time, what happens? Nothing immediately. That there's nothing that immediately happens most of the time. And this is, why, this is why there are so many people, maybe even some of us here this morning, maybe some who are watching online, but there are so many of us who have spent maybe even seasons of our lives ignoring balance in our finances, and yet we haven't really experienced a whole lot of consequences. And the fact of the matter is that it is possible to go for seasons of life violating financial principles, being way out of balance, and not feel any immediate effect. And that is what is so deceiving about all of this, because the laws of personal balance don't follow the laws of Pinocchio. You guys remember, remember Pinocchio, right? Every time he lied, what would happen? His nose would grow. Immediately, he would tell a lie. And so, you know, the, the, if every time you told a lie, your nose would grow, you probably would stop lying, right? Because what's the use? Everybody would know you're lying anyway. Or, or if every time you looked at something you shouldn't be looking at, your eyes grew. Or every time you listened to something on purpose you shouldn't be listening to, your ears grew. Boy, that would stink, wouldn't it? By the way, I haven't been listening to stuff. I'm, not, I'm just getting old, and they say your ears just keep growing. I don't know why that is. But, but imagine, you know, that's the law of Pinocchio. There's an immediate consequence to those decisions. Our financial balance does not work that way. And, and the point is this, is that whenever we experience immediate consequences, typically we're more likely to do something about it. And the problem, this is where the problem lies when it comes to maintaining financial balance, is the laws of finance don't operate by the law of Pinocchio. Instead, according to Scripture, they operate by what is called the law of the harvest. And the law of the harvest says this. The law of the harvest says, whatever I sow now is what I'm going to reap later. But whatever I sow now is what I'm going to leap, let, reap later and something else, something that rhymes with later, I will reap greater in more proportion to whatever I've sowed. So whatever I have sown now is what I'm going to reap later and I will reap greater. This is the, how the law of finances work. So it's just like a, 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 you know, the law of the harvest. Imagine, imagine if a couple of farmers went out and, and say farmer one goes out into his field and he works diligently and he plants seed. He works really hard. He plants all these seed. And farmer two goes out and he says, man, I really don't feel like working today. And so he sits and drinks coffee and maybe watches TV or listens to the radio or whatever, but doesn't plant any seed. In one week, guess what the results for each of them will be? The same thing. You won't see any difference because the law of the harvest is all about later and greater. 
and greater. Now, this is how the, the, the laws of finance work. It's just like a harvest, okay? Now, the other thing about, about, this, about this maintaining balance in our finances, when we allow our, our finances to get out of balance, and what I mean by that will become clearer as we go along, but, but when they are out of balance... You know, when you're not sure what to focus on, when you, uh, you're not making the right kind of corrections, when, when you have no sense of purpose when, to, when it co- uh, to what you already have, you know, when it comes to our, what you already have, sometimes, and this is a little bit tricky to explain, but sometimes the consequences of being out of balance financially, sometimes it shows up in your finances, but sometimes, oftentimes, actually, it shows up in other arenas of your life. For, for, for instance, if you grew up in a home where your mom and dad argued about money, or maybe you're the mom and dad who argue about money, all right? Uh, if, if you grew up in a home where money seemed to be a point of contention in a relationship, or maybe in the relationship that you're in, money seems to be a point of contention, my hunch is that if we were to look at your finances, if we were to look at the details of your financial world, here's what we would discover. The problem is not that you don't have enough money. The problem is that you're out of balance financially. You see, couples who argue about money, and this is, listen, this is coming from personal experience. Because when Laura and I first got married, and uh, we used to argue a lot about money. I mean, there was a point of contention, a serious point of contention in our marriage. And it took years and years and years for her finally figure out where she was wrong. <laughs> Just kidding. She had, she had a better handle on this than I did. But, but this, is, this is speaking from personal experience, you know. It was, it was a serious area of contention for us to finally get some things figured out and finally get on the same page and become more balanced in the area of our finances. And so speaking from personal experience, but also from experience as being a pastor, I, I've talked to a number of people. And, and they're, they're struggling in their marriages, and there's contention, and they're at odds with each other. And again, this is just my experience, but I've never, ever, ever talked to a couple who the problem was they didn't make enough money. And I've talked to couples, you know, I've dealt with individuals or couples who they made a lot of money, and I've talked to those who didn't make very much money. But the issue was still not how much money they, they made. The real issue that they had, the reason that they were at odds in their relationship is because they weren't on the same page, is because they didn't know how to manage what they had, and as a result, they were out of balance. They, they would come in, and their marriage was full of, was, was all out of balance. It was full of stuff, you know, all out of balance. But the reality was that the problems in their marriage that they were experiencing between each other was just a spinoff of being out of balance financially. Now, the other place where this can creep in is if you, if you come from a home where maybe your parents held a certain unhealthy uh, view or had an unhealthy approach when it came to finances, and, and because of that, you know, the natural thing is we do what we see, Right? And so maybe you adopted that approach, you know, for instance, maybe you grew up in a home where mom and dad used credit irresponsibly. And then, and then more than likely, you know, because of that, they use credit irresponsibly. And so you learned that this is the way that you deal with credit. And maybe you didn't see much of an issue for them because they made plenty of money. But now you're in a situation where you're just doing what they did, but you don't make as much money and you're having all of these issues and you're going like, why am I having these problems? I'm only doing what they did and they didn't have any problems, it seemed like. And, and because you're just doing what you learned to do from them, you're experiencing issues because your financial situation may be a little bit different than what theirs is. And you're wondering, why am I having these problems? I'm only, I'm only doing what they did. And so this is why it is so important. Parents, you need to hear this. For those of you who are parents, this is so important because if we as parents live out of balance financially at home, what we're doing is we are creating children who will live out of balance financially. In other words, if, if our kids grow up in a home where they never hear their mom and dads talk about 
how Christians are to handle money. If they, never hear us, if they never hear us talk about this is how as a follower of Jesus we want to allow God to intersect our lives when it comes to our finances, chances are they are going to grow up with an unbalanced view of finances. If kids, if kids grow up in a home where they never hear parents discussing, you know, should we buy this for ourselves or should we sacrifice and give this for the cause of something greater? If they never hear that, if, if, they, if, they, if they never hear, you know, should we, should we let, let's have this conversation. What do you think God would want us to do? Should we use this for ourselves or should we give it to somebody else who has a need? If they never hear that, if there's never a correlation between, between how God wants us to live and what we do with our money, then it can create an imbalance in our lives. And it can create conflict in our lives. And we don't want to raise children in that, in that, in that arena. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not married, this is all the introduction, by the way. We're going to dive in here in just a moment a little deeper, but if you're here this morning and you're not married, if you're a college student, if you're single, if you're watching online, I'm telling you, this is so important because let me, let me explain it like this as well. If, if, if you're out of balance, maybe even just a little bit, if you're out of balance in the way that you, you relate to money in your own personal life, and you marry somebody or you begin a relationship with somebody who's a little out of balance in their personal life in the area of their finances, what you need to understand is the way that it works is it is not one plus one. What typically happens is it's like one to the 20th power. I mean, it is just magnified. And, and here's, here's the deal, you know. It's like, okay, so like Jack marries Jill, and Jack's finances are a little bit out of finance, or a whack, and Jill's uh, view of finances are a little bit out of whack, and so Jack marries Jill, and Jack and Jill might make it up the hill, but before long, Jack's going to fall down and break his crown, and Jill's going to come tumbling after, right? You didn't know that's what that nursery rhyme was all about, what it is this morning. And, and where we, we see, you know, just incredible chaos in homes is when people, you know, when they're newlyweds and, and they bring their dysfunctional finances together thinking that, well, eventually, give us time, it's going to get better. And the reality is it doesn't get better. And then they're like, you know, where's all this pressure coming from? And some marriages don't even make it. So this is important stuff. And when we talk about being out of, of, out of balance, you know, you can be out of balance in lots of different ways. Typically, when we think of being out of balance, we tend to think about those who have uncontrolled spending, right? That they spend more than they bring in. That, that certainly is a way to be out of balance financially. But listen, if you're a saver, if you're a compulsive saver, you also can be out of balance, you can become so out of balance when you're so focused on, I got to accumulate this and I got to save this for later because this is where my security lies and I got to save this. And you can be out of balance to the point where you're, you're not even generous because I've got to keep this for me. And you don't even know it. And you may want to be generous. You may want to give to a certain thing and God may prompt your heart, but you're so caught up in, wow, I got, I'd love to do that, but I have to do this because it's my future. And so you can be out of balance in lots of different ways. And the reality is that there are as many ways to be out of balance financially as there are personalities. And we have the tendency, I mean, we're just wired this way, you know, when somebody is out of balance in a way that we're you know, that's different than us, we tend to look at them and we can see it pretty clearly. If you're a saver and you see somebody who's a compulsive spender, then it's easy to go like, well, well look at them. I mean, man, they, they can't even control themselves. If it were me, this is what I would do. 
And if you're a spender, you may look at a saver and go, oh, wow, look at them. They're out of balance. I mean, they, they're, they're married to their money. Their money is the most important thing in their life. They can't, even, you know, they can't even give it away or help anybody or anything like that. And so it's easy. It's kind of that, you know, the sliver, the plank scenario. So it's easier to see in other people that are different than us. But the reality is there are lots of different ways for us to be out of balance, as many ways as there are personalities. And here's the big surprise in all of this. Being out or in balance financially... I mentioned this before, but being in balance financially has absolutely nothing to do with how much money you make, believe it or not. It has nothing to do with how much money you have. Now, this may not be where you think we were, would go in a conversation like this, but, but this sort of sets us up for the next few weeks. The reality is that the more money you have, the easier it is to be out of balance. It's not the opposite, <laughs> The, the more money you have, the easier it is to be out of balance and stay out of balance. You see, any time we have extra of anything, we tend to be less disciplined with it. Being undisciplined with our money, whether, whether it's in the way that we view debt, in the way we spend, in the way that we give, the way that we save, the way that we plan or we don't plan, whenever there is extra and whenever there is a lack of discipline, we always move to a point of being unbalanced. We, we lose sight of the things that we need to stay fo focused on. We forget how important it is to make constant adjustments. And, and, and as we're going to talk about next week, we for, or in two weeks, we forget why in the world we even have anything in the first place. So, so that's why. This is so important, and we're going to spend some time talking about what, what it looks like and what it means to live balanced lives in regards to our finances. Now, I mentioned this before, but as you read through the Gospels, Jesus... And really, the truth is, as you read through both the Old and the New Testaments, you'll find that God has a whole lot to say about how followers of Jesus ought to live in regards to money. And here's the deal. I'm convinced. I think we make this way harder than it needs to be. I am convinced that if we would just do what Scripture says we're supposed to do, not just in regards to money, but if we would just do what Scripture tells us to do, we would live balanced lives. Our problem is, is, you know, Scripture talks about being hearers of the word and not doers of the word. And when we hear but we don't do, then it causes us to be out of balance, not just in our finances, but certainly it does pertain to our finances as well. And so we, we want to we live lives that are in balance. We just need to do what Jesus wants us to do. In fact, I would be as bold to say this. I want you to kind of just grab a hold of this and... and just kind of keep it in your mouth and swish it around a little bit and, and see how this feels. But, but I would say this, that anybody who proactively lives out of balance financially, financially, more than likely is also living out of balance in regards to their relationship with Jesus. When, when we proactively, in other words, you know, Scripture talks about when we know what we ought to do, but we don't do what we ought to do. When we proactively live our lives out of balance in the area of our finances, more than likely we are also living out of balance in the rest of our relationship with Jesus. If that wasn't bold enough for you, let me say it a little more boldly. I am convinced that you can't even call yourself a follower of Jesus and stay out of balance and mishandle your finances. Wow, got really quiet in here. In other words, I mean, think of it. How can we call ourselves followers of Jesus and yet not follow him in what he tells us to do? Dustin, come here. We're going to talk about your finances. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want, this, this, is, this is probably going to make our camera guys like nuts on this because this isn't going to work real good on, but, but, but imagine this, I, I'm going to call myself, I'm a follower of Dustin. So Dustin, I just want you to go ahead, lead me. So if I'm a follower of Dustin, what that means is wherever he goes, that's where I'm going to go. I'm just going to follow his leading. 
wherever I'm going to follow him around. But how can I be a follower of Dustin if, whoops, I, did, I lost you? <laughs> that, and that happens sometimes, doesn't it? But I'm a follower of Dustin. I want to follow him. But how can I follow him? Go ahead. How can I follow him if he's going, man, I like where you're going, Dustin. This is awesome. I love, I love where you're going. I don't like that so well. Am I his follower? All of a sudden, I'm not following. Go ahead. You can preach the rest. I'm going to go ahead. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dustin. You see, if we're going to call ourselves devout followers of Jesus, we have to follow him in every area of our lives. We can't call ourselves followers of Jesus and say, Jesus, you know what? I'm going to follow you, yeah, because I love, I love Sunday mornings. I love when we get together. I'm going to follow you on Sunday mornings because I like this song that we sing, and I love it the way it makes me feel when I come and I get encouraged, and I love the way, I love the way, that, and I'm going to follow you during the week because I know that you're going to help me in that kind of stuff. I'm going to follow you because that's, my, that's the God portion of my life. But this, this is the money portion of my life. And so you may lead me over here. I'm going to follow your leading over here. But when it comes to this, I'm just going to kind of call the shots on that. Because this is the God portion. This is the other portion. Listen, when we're following Jesus, there is nothing else other than the God portion. We follow him. We follow him. No matter what he tells us to do. And so we cannot call ourselves followers of Jesus unless we're following. And believe it or not, this is so interesting. I love this because, you know, again, Jesus had so much to tell us about finances and how we manage it. And he expects for us to listen to him and obey him. And here's the interesting thing. Believe it or not, this is so interesting, most of what Jesus has to say about money doesn't center around us giving it away. Did you know that? In fact, I would challenge you, find the scriptures where Jesus asked anybody to give him money. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But, but most of what Jesus has to say does not center around giving, but what he has to say, it centers mostly around managing our money, being stewards of the money. Or how to, in, you know, in the terms of what we're talking about this morning, how to stay balanced when it comes to money. So, so all of this, all of what we just talked about is the introduction. Now we're going to preach the message, message and then we'll move on. It set us up for the next few weeks, all right? So now I'm going to preach the shortest message I've ever preached. It just is starting right now, okay? Let's look at what Jesus had to say surrounding the subject of money. I want to, I want to this morning, we're going to look actually at two things that Jesus said. And this, this first one... It's just kind of a general principle that sets us up for where we're going to go. And this is, this, these are some words that you probably read before. In fact, probably lots of times. They come from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says this. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We've all heard that before, right? Most of us have heard that before. But, but I want you to think about this. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, your treasure, wherever your treasure is, in other words, wherever, wherever your stuff that you value is, whatever that is, your stuff, your money, your things, Jesus says, wherever that is, that stuff is, your heart is going to follow that. Wherever your treasure is, wherever your stuff is, that's where your heart will follow, which means if you want to know really where my heart is, if you want to know where my heart is, don't judge where my heart is based on the fact that every Sunday morning I stand up here and I preach to you. Don't, don't judge where my heart is based on the fact that, that, that God has given me some certain you know, talents and abilities and you guys have given me the opportunity to stand up week after week after week and talk about things from God's word. Don't judge where my heart is because I do that. If you really want to know where my heart is, just look at my visa statement. If you really want to know where my heart is, look at my, look at my, my checkbook. I just dated myself, right? How many, how many people still write from a checkbook? Wow. wow, even some young people, wow, yeah. 
That's how we tell where our heart is. According to what Jesus had to say, just follow the money trail. And so what Jesus is saying here is if you really want to know, if you really want to know, not, not by what people say, if you really want to know where the juxtaposition of somebody's heart is, just pull up their bank account and I will show you exactly where their heart is. Because their heart is where the stuff is. The heart is where the money goes. And listen, folks. This is why money is such a big deal to Jesus. Because Jesus is saying, look, I know it's, it's just the natural pull of your heart. I know that the natural pull of your heart is to follow your stuff. And honestly, I don't want to compete with your stuff. I want your heart. It's not that I need your money. I got plenty of money. I don't need your money. What I want is your heart. What I want is, is I, want, I want your heart so bad, and I know that wherever your stuff is, that's where your heart is. And so here's what I want. I want you to surrender all of your stuff. Not just 10% of your stuff. I want you to surrender all of your stuff because I want all of your heart. That's really what I'm after, is I want your heart. And once you have surrendered everything to me, once you've surrendered 100% of your, your checking account, your savings account, your retirement, your housing, all of your stuff, once you've surrendered 100% to me, then I will know that I have your heart. And I want your heart. The second statement that Jesus makes is found in the book of Luke. I want you to listen to what Jesus says. Again, again, this is probably a passage that many of you have heard on multiple occasions. But Jesus says this. He says that no one can serve two masters. He says either he'll hate the one and love the other. Or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says these words. He says, you cannot serve God and money. And again, I know this is probably a familiar passage of Scripture to a good number of us. But I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. As I read that, I, I, you know, I think, if I were there, I would be tempted to say, Jesus, I think you made a mistake. Don't you mean that you can't serve God and the devil. I mean, isn't that where our real struggle lies? I mean, my real struggle, isn't it that, that either I'm going to do what God wants me to do or I'm going to do what the devil wants me to do? And so, Jesus, don't you mean that, that, that I can't serve both you and the devil? But Jesus is saying, no. He's saying your real struggle, the day-to-day -day struggle that you're going to have is between me and your stuff. Oh, the choices that you're going to make day to day, moment by moment, they're going to revolve around, are you going to honor me or are you going to live for your stuff? And so Jesus says, you can't have two masters. It doesn't work that way. He, he's saying the struggle, this tension that you're facing is between me and your stuff. And so you have to make the decision, are you going to serve your desire for more, your accumulation of wealth, your desire to be comfortable? Are you going to serve protecting your stuff, ensuring your stuff, having more stuff, making sure that your kids have enough stuff? Are you going to serve stuff? And then, because there's this little God portion, you're serving your stuff, but you're going to hope that I'm going to help you out whenever you need it. And he's saying it doesn't work that way. You either serve me or you serve your stuff. You can't have it both ways. And folks, this is the tension that we live in that will never, ever, ever go away. And this is what is so great is that Jesus has invited us into the kind of relationship by the power of his spirit where, where we can make our love for our stuff subservient to our love for him. In other words, 
We can actually live in such a way where, where every single day we make the decision, you know what? I like my stuff. And I love getting new stuff. And I, I think about the future, and, and I, I, I want stuff, and I want to be, I want to be uh, taken care of, and I want to make, make sure that I'm comfortable, and so I like stuff. But Jesus, I want to lay all of that down and surrender it to you because I love you more than I love my stuff. And I'm gonna, I can trust you, Jesus, that you're going to take care of me and you're going to provide for me. That when I surrender my stuff to you and you have my heart, really have my heart, then you're going to take care of me and you're going to provide for me. And I don't want to spend the rest of my life simply serving stuff. Because I know that the acquisition and the pursuit and the idolization of stuff, it becomes my master. And, 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 and then when that happens, I am immediately, I'm immediately, we're going to talk about this more next time, but I am immediately out of balance. Now, one more thing about Jesus, and I love this. I mentioned this before, but as I can, as far as I can tell, and I, I've, I've looked and I challenge you to do the same, but I can't find one single example where Jesus ever asked anybody to give him any money. I love that about Jesus. The, the, the only exception to that is there's one story where Jesus is trying to make a point, and so there's a group of people around, and he says, does anybody have a coin? And so somebody gives him a coin, and he looks at the coin and sees the inscription of Caesar on it, and he says, okay, so give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God. But he gave the coin back. He didn't keep it. And that's the only exception that I can find. Never in any other place do I find a place where Jesus asked anybody to give him money. So maybe you're sitting there this morning and saying, okay, if Jesus didn't do it, why do you do it sometimes, Doug? <laughs> the answer to that question is because I'm not Jesus. And, and I think it's important to make sure that the light bill is paid and the lawn gets mowed and we get to, you know, send missionaries out and support missionaries and stuff like that. But the reality is that Jesus never asked for money. Guess what? That's why you can trust Jesus. This is why you can trust Jesus when it comes to money because Jesus never asked anybody for it. And you can, you can trust Jesus when it comes to money. And this is what I want you to hear is because you can have assurance that Jesus' objective is not that he wants to get all your money. Here's his objective. He wants to make sure that your money doesn't get you because he wants you. God is not concerned about taking all of your stuff. He just wants to make sure that your stuff doesn't take you because he wants your heart. He wants your heart because when your stuff has you, guess who you're serving? So here's how I want to wrap things up. I'm going to give you an assignment over the next couple of weeks. We're not meeting, uh, or we'll be meeting. Yeah, we are meeting next week. Yeah, come next week, but we won't be dealing with this topic. But, so you've got two weeks to do this. Whenever I get an assignment, um, you know, the enemy always comes against me and says, yeah, like two people are going to do it. So prove me wrong on this. You know, some of you won't take this as a, this challenge, but I encourage you to do it. The next couple of weeks, here's, here's the challenge. What I want you to do, and I don't, I don't want you to, you know, as couples talk about this, but I don't want you to tell anybody else what you're doing. Uh, you don't, don't let this leave the room. But for the next couple of weeks, I want you to spy. I want you to be a spy. I want you to act like a private investigator. And what I want you to do is I want you to spy on your money. Okay? Just, just spy on your money. This is the challenge. I want Just watch it. Spy on it. See where it goes. And so you might even want to document it. In fact, I would suggest that you do that. And this is really simple. I mean, you might want to take a notebook and lay it out. You might want to just, uh, you know, put it on, a, on the refrigerator or something like that. Four columns. Just, just what is the date? How much did I spend? Where did it go? And what was it for? The date, the amount, where did it go? What was it for? I want you to, I want you to spy on your money, watch it, see where it goes, and then we'll go from there, okay? So here's why this is so important. 
One of the laws of balance, I mentioned this earlier, is that you have to have the right reference point. Now, if you don't believe me, try this. Even if you can't do it for two weeks, do it for a week. But, but, but the proper reference point for managing money, the thing that you have to keep your eye on at all times is where is it going? That's the reference point. Where is it going? You need to know where all your money goes. And, and this is the point of reference for the rest of your financial life. You say, you know, well, Doug, that doesn't sound very spiritual. You know, I came here this morning. I thought you were going to give me some really deep spiritual insight. I thought, I, thought that, I thought that what I'm supposed to be focused on is not where my money goes. I thought that I'm supposed to be focused on Jesus. Here's my answer. Okay, focus on Jesus, but spy on your money. All right? Track where your money is going, and I'll tell you why. Because where your money goes is a decision, and it's not just any decision, it's a spiritual decision. Because what we are going to discover is that if we have committed our lives to Jesus, it's not our money anymore. <laughs> Amen, Doug, that's good. When we've committed our lives to Jesus, it's not our money anymore. It's God's money. And what we are doing is God has given us the privilege of managing his wealth. That is our job, to manage somebody else's wealth. And when you do that, you better know where the money is going. Listen, I want you to imagine this. I don't know how many of you here work with a financial advisor. But you know, a financial advisor manages other people's money. And if you work with a financial advisor, can you imagine going in and saying, okay, so where's my money going? And they're going like, well, um, I don't really keep track of where it goes. I just kind of throw it out there, you know. How long would you keep that financial advisor? Like that would be the end of that, that, that time that, for that person. This is the task that God has given to us to keep track of, to manage the money that God has given to us, to maintain financial balance. Now, I want to conclude in this way. Again, I want to tell you, there's no gotcha in this series. There, there's not a gotcha. There's not a, okay, I told you that, and now I'm going to ask for this. But over these next few weeks, I just want you to know that I, I do not want anything from you. I don't. As your pastor, I want something for you. I, I, don't, I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. And here's what I want for you. I want you, if you haven't done so already, to surrender this area along with every other area of your life to Jesus. That's what I want for you. I want you to surrender every area, including your finances, to Jesus. And I want you to, I want you to do that because specifically, in, in the, as it pertains to your finances, when you surrender them to Jesus, then you can experience true financial freedom. Not, not free to do whatever you want. But wouldn't it be awesome to be free to do whatever Jesus wants you to do? I mean, I think sometimes because we're in financial bondage, because we've made poor decisions in our lives, because we're out of balance, there are some times that our heart is pulled to a certain area and we're like, I can't even do it because I'm so overwhelmed over here financially. Wouldn't it be awesome to live in such a way that if Jesus said, hey, you know, you go out to eat and Jesus says, hey, I want you to give the waitress a hundred dollar tip. Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to do that? Say, man, I just want to bless you. God just told me that I'm supposed to give this to you. I, I heard a story this last week from one of the speakers at the Awakening that that happened for them. And, and it happens lots and lots and lots and lots of times. That they were in a restaurant and, and the waitress was serving them. And it was a situation where the waitress was obviously having a bad day and was taking it out on them, you know. And so she came down, slapped the water down and slapped the... The, the silverware down and was rude and short and all those things. And he said, you know, our tendency is, is to, to just kind of respond in that way. But he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. 
He does that, you know. He spoke to me, and he said, she's having a rough day. He said, you know that $100 you got in your billfold? And the guy said, I told God, yeah, I know that, but I got a 20 in my other pocket. <laughs> I just wanted to remind you of that. Because <laughs> he said, I knew where this was going. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to give her that $100 bill. And so she came, and he said, hey, this may sound weird to you, but God just told me he wanted me to bless you. You're having a rough day. And so he told me to give you this, and he handed her the $100 bill, and he said immediately she just started to sob. She said, man, I had such a hard day. And then he got the chance to pray with her and minister to and encourage her. You see, when our lives are out of balance, we're not able to be used in those ways. That's what this is about. See? See what our job is, what our call is, guys. It's not just about us. It's not. It's not about can I be comfortable? It's not, listen, listen, and I know we sell the gospel short way too often. Because, because and, and preachers like me are guilty of it, and I've been guilty of it in the past, and I, I want to stand up here in front of you guys and say, I repent of that. My job is not to do some kind of car salesman job on you so I can convince you that, man, if you would just do this, if you would just pray this prayer, then your life is going to be so much easier. It's going to be so much better. The reality is it's going to be better, but it's probably going to be harder. It's not about us. It's about we've been invited into a kingdom that is a different kingdom than this world that we live in. It's not about red and blue. It's not about Democrat and Republican. It's not about any of those things. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about Jesus coming and saying, I'm inviting you in to a new kind of life where you lay your life down just like I did for the sake of somebody else. So that they can come into the kingdom just like I've invited you into the kingdom. Why would I invite you into something where you're just going to take ownership of it, but you're going to be stingy with it and you're going to say, no, you know, I really don't care about them. So what we're talking about is important. It's about fully surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. Every single area holding nothing back and the reality is and the reason why Jesus had so much to say about the relationship that we have with our finances is because he knew more than anything else that is where our heart is tied to and he wants your heart so Dustin I'm going to ask you would you come I'm just going to ask you to, to pray. We're not, we're not going to end with a song today. I'm, I'm going to pray. And uh, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for me. I'm going to pray for us. And I know this is like kind of weird because I'm preaching to you about finances. And I just feel like the Lord is saying, okay, what you're really preaching about is a person's heart. And maybe there's somebody here this morning. And the reason I brought him here is because... I want them to know I want them. I want their heart. And so I'm, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And Jesus, this morning, maybe there's somebody here. Maybe there's some somebodies here who you have been, you have been working at trying to reveal your love for them and the desires you have for them and you brought them here this morning specifically so that they could hear that what you really want is you just want their hearts. All of them. Because you already gave all of you. <laughs> and you want that to be reciprocated that if you gave all that you are to us, how could we not give all that we are to you? And so this morning, maybe there's somebody here. The reason they're here this morning, it's their destiny to be here this morning. Because you want to change the trajectory of their lives forever. You want to do a work in their lives that they, they, they couldn't even dream of. 
And so, Lord, this morning, I pray for those individuals. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, and, and they, they really have a desire to follow you. And maybe this morning, by your Spirit, you've created an awareness that there is a, there is a roadblock, there is a detour between fully following you and being distracted by our own selfish desires, our own plans, our own financial dreams. God, I pray this morning that you help them to surrender that to you. If you're here this morning and I don't want anybody looking around. I mean, I don't want anybody looking around. Nobody looking around. If you're here this morning, and that's where you're at, just saying, Jesus, I want you to have my whole heart. I don't want anything to stand in between. You got, I want to give you all of me. I've, I've, I've been kind of holding back, wasn't even aware I was doing it, but I want to give you all of me. Would you just, would you just lift your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you. Thank you. So many. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You put your hands down. Jesus, I pray for each one who lifted their hands today, signifying, you got all of me. <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> not going to hold back. Not going to let this area, not going to let something as stupid as money, pieces of paper with dead president's faces on it, keep me from being who you want me to be. I'm just going to walk in who you want me to be. And so you got all of me. I don't know what all that looks like. Man, it's kind of scary to me. Don't know what it all looks like. But what I know is I want you, Jesus. And so, Lord, would you honor them for that? Even this week, come alongside. Speak, speak clearly. Not just in the area of finances, Lord, but I pray that you'd speak to each one in a clear way, that they would hear your voice. That, Father, that we could live in such a way that all we do is just listen to what you say and then do that. Say this. Okay, I'll say it. Go here. Okay, I'll go there. Do that. Okay, I'll do that. And live in that awareness, Lord. So we pray that you'd help us to live in that way today. Lord, and as we leave this place, Lord, even today, I, I, I saw as, as my heart was tugged, even as, even as we talked about the story of being able to minister to a waitress, Lord, I pray that you'd lead a bunch of us to places where we'd be able to share your love in a tangible way that might change somebody else's life. Because it's not about us. It's about you flowing through us and us being a conduit where there's nothing, nothing, no barriers that block you from flowing through us into the lives of other people, changing their lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd even send us today. And we pray all this in the name of your son. We've been celebrating the name of your son all day today because it's really all about you, Jesus. If it's not about us, it's got to be about somebody. So let's make it about you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. So go, I challenge you, spy on your money this week. Come back next week and bring somebody back with you to go and be blessed. <laughs>